Well, hey everybody, welcome. It's great to have you with us today. And this is a special uh, experience. It's our Mother's Day experience, and I am so thrilled. We have a tradition here at Central that every Mother's Day, my amazing wife, Lori, brings an incredible message, not just to the moms, but to all of us. And uh, Lori is um, the greatest mom I know. She's not only uh, been the mother of our children and raised them uh, in such a powerful and incredible way, in many ways, she's raised me as well. Uh, uh, I love her with all my heart, and she is all in for you. She's all in for the church. She's all in for our community. Uh, in fact, when, when Lori loves, she loves with all of her heart and all that she is. Uh, God has gifted her with a tremendous gift of wisdom and communication. And so I am honored to introduce my incredibly incredible, beautiful wife, Lori Wilhite, on this Mother's Day experience. Put your hands together at home for Lori as she comes and shares a word with us. Thank you so much and happy Mother's Day everybody. For a lot of people this is a day of celebration but for a lot of people we know that Mother's Day is a day of heartache and no matter where you are right now I want you to know that we are so glad that you're here with us this weekend. One ridiculously early morning a few years ago my family headed to the airport so we could jet off on a little vacation. Being the gracious parents that we are, we decided to wait until the very last moment to pull our kiddos out of bed and to throw them in the car. They could eat breakfast at some fine quality airport fast food restaurant once we were through security. And after checking our luggage, we headed up the escalator to the security line. We were met with nine million other Monday morning travelers, long winding security lines, and a malfunctioning air conditioner. So we started waiting and waiting, and waiting. My son began to complain, it's hot, I'm sweating, I don't feel very good. Yeah, 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 we're all hot, we're all sweaty, we all don't feel good, suck it up, buddy. And then he started to lean over and even kneel down. And I turned and got a good look at him and he did look a little pale and he felt a little clammy to me. So I grabbed our boarding passes and started fanning the back of his neck, whispering that we'd be through the line soon. Just as we handed our boarding passes and IDs to the TSA agents, my son passed out. I mean fainted, black out, crumpled into a heap at my feet. I tried to catch him, but since he was six inches taller and outweighed me by at least 100 pounds, I did very little to slow him down. I just watched his big, tall body hit the ground. I got onto my knees in my white jeans on the filthy airport floor, and I turned his face to me to see if his eyes would open. And I could hear the TSA agents calling for medics. I could hear my husband asking if Ethan was okay. And I could hear a few gasps from the people around us. And once the two fire EMTs and the two paramedics arrived, they determined a visit to the nearest hospital was called for. Goodbye early morning flight. Goodbye routine travel day. Goodbye family trip. One ambulance ride, two blood sugar tests, one IV, one EKG, a protein bar, and two glasses of apple juice later, we had a diagnosis. A combination of low blood sugar, thanks for the delayed breakfast plan, mom, and the fact that apparently wacky teenage bodies are still adjusting to how much blood they need to pump up their fast-growing bodies to reach their brains. Hello, six-foot-one, 13-year-old boy. What in the world? Once Ethan started feeling better, his first words to me were, maybe next time you'll believe me when I say I'm not feeling very good. Cue the mommy guilt. And can't we all moms 
have loads of mommy guilt. There are times in life where we can feel suddenly zapped of all of our strength and our energy. No, we may not crumple to the ground, but we may feel crumpled in spirit. We may feel weak and wonder if we can ever keep going. We need to be restored, restored to hope, restored to life, restored to health. This is where the Israelites find themselves in the book of Ezekiel. The Babylonians, the enemy of Israel, have attacked Jerusalem, and they have taken many of the best and brightest back to Babylon with them. Approximately 25% of the population was deported to a foreign land. They lost their homes. They were deprived of their families. They were stripped of their lives and everything they had always known. They were disrupted, discouraged, and disillusioned. And one of those exiles was a guy named Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet of God, meaning that God would give him visions so that he could communicate the word of the Lord to the people of Israel. He was the mouthpiece of God. And in the final chapters of the book of Ezekiel, God starts to communicate his restoration to the people of Israel. He will restore their homes. He will restore their hope. He will restore their lives. All right, let's take a look at it as we turn to Ezekiel. And when we get to this red word, I want you to yell it out loud. This is how we know that the family sitting around us on the couch is with us and awake. It says, the Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with what? Bones. He led me all around among the old dry bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground. Have you ever felt like you were surrounded by dry bones? The dry bones of a dead dream, the dry bones of a lost job, the dry bones of depression, anxiety, worry, maybe the dry bones of an addiction that you cannot shake. You feel like you're walking around and everywhere you look is dry bones. Or maybe it's the dry bones of your spiritual life. You lay in bed at night and you pray, but you feel like your prayers don't go above the ceiling. You're in worship and you know you should be moved by that time of praise because you used to feel so much during that time, but now you just feel numb. You open up your Bible and you read and you just don't know how you can apply it to your life right now. Your spiritual life feels dry. It's dry bones. Or maybe it's the dry bones of your relational life. Maybe your marriage is broken and you're doing little more than coexisting in the same house trying to survive the 24-7 time together. Or maybe your kids are making choices that are just breaking your heart or they're estranged from you right now. Or maybe homeschooling has completely zapped you of your strength. Maybe you're worn out from having your friendships be limited to tiny boxes on Zoom conference calls on computer screens, and you just feel dry, dry bones everywhere. Have you been there? Are you there right now? So how can we be restored to life when we are surrounded by dry bones? First, you've got to know your position. You've got to know your position. I love our kiddos. In fact, I brought you a picture so you could see my fabulous family. I love my kids. This is Emma. She's 19. She has never met a song that she didn't love. 
She is finishing up her freshman year of college back at home with her new roommates, her mom and dad. She's thrilled about it. And then I have our 16-year-old son, Ethan, six foot four, and his, a self-professed gamer who is so glad his sister is back so that he can kind of get the crazy attention of his mother off of him and get it deflected for a little bit. And I love my teenagers. I think they're incredible. Teenagers are amazing, incredibly complicated sometimes, but they are incredible. And as much as I love this family right here, I also really miss this family. No, I do not miss this blonde hair. I think we can all agree that that was a mistake. But I missed this. I miss these cuddles. I miss the bedtime stories. I miss these sweet faces. But most of all, I miss controlling every little aspect of their lives. I controlled everything. I mean, look at this. I controlled what they wore. Look at the pink, brown, and denim family Easter coordinating outfits that they had. And now they come downstairs wearing stuff that I'm like, could you put something on that makes it look like you have parents that care about you? I also controlled what they ate. They had carefully portioned meals that included fruits and the occasional vegetable that I could get down them. And now I leave the kitchen to come back to find that somebody has eaten an entire loaf of pumpkin bread in the 10 minutes I stepped out of the room. I will leave it to you to decide which child did that. I controlled what they listened to. We listened to Disney song after Disney song after Disney song. We knew every lyric to every kid's musical out there. Now I mostly just grouch at my kids to turn their music down in their headphones so their ears don't explode. I controlled what they watched. Judd and I watched so many talking dog movies with those two kids. I completely lost count. So many talking dog movies, but now it's the YouTube videos. So many YouTube videos. I cannot for the life of me figure out why it is fun to watch someone else play video games or watch someone else watch a movie that you could have easily watched yourself. My position as a parent is changing. But do not be confused, Emma and Ethan. I am still in charge. But I've had to release some of the control as they have began to make decisions for themselves in their own lives. Yeah, I miss being able to control every tiny aspect of their lives because I really do like being in control. And that is so hard because most of us like to be in control or at least have the illusion that we are in control and if we've learned anything in the last couple of months, it is that there are so many things that are outside of our control. But we do know the one who is ultimately in control. In fact, if we go back to Ezekiel, here's what he says. He's talking to God and God is talking to him. And he says, son of man, can these bones become living people again? And then we hop right back into Ezekiel 37 to see how he responds to God. And he says, oh, sovereign Lord. Sovereign just means the one who has power, the one who is in authority, the one who's in control. And Ezekiel replies, what? You alone. Lord, you alone know the answer to that. If we were in Ezekiel's position and God asked us if those dry, brittle bones could be restored to life again, we might respond like, no way. Nope, I don't think so. Hard pass. There is not one single shred of scientific evidence that says that's possible. Because there is nothing in our control 
or our authority that can make new life be restored to those dry bones. But there is one alone who knows the answer to that. The one who is in control, the one who has power, the one who is sovereign, the one who can breathe new life into the dusty, dry bones of our situations. There is so much right now that we just don't know the answer to. We don't know when restaurants will open, but God knows. We don't know when school will restart, but God knows. We don't know when toilet paper will finally be restocked, but God knows. We don't know when we'll be able to get back to work, but God knows. We don't know when our cities will reopen, but God knows. We don't know when our economy will recover, but God knows. We don't know, but God knows. And because God knows, we can accept our position, not as someone who is in control, but as people who are under control of the one who knows all of the answers to that. We can know our position. We also have to know our power. You've just got to know your power. A few years ago for my birthday, Emma made me a jar of the reasons why I love you. It was filled with scraps of paper and on each one she had written something that she loved about me. Some of them were silly and some of them were serious, but I pulled a few out, just of my favorites to share them with you. First she said, you deal with my obsessions and don't we as parents deal with our kids' obsessions? You know, I know so many useless facts and information about musical artists and bands that it's kind of impressive. One day, Emma came rolling into the kitchen and she said, oh my gosh, mom, Jenna had the baby. And I'm thinking, Jenna, 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 do I know any pregnant Jennas? And then it hits me and I said, oh my gosh, Emma, do you mean Jenna, the wife of Tyler Joseph, the lead singer of 21 Pilots had their baby? And I was right. And I couldn't decide if I was more proud of myself for being correct and figuring it out, or if I was horrified by the fact that we believe they are on a first name basis with our families. But I am very into her obsessions. You are incredibly organized, she told me. What she means by this is I am simply a little bit more organized than she is. We only have one person in our family who is organized. His name is Judd. The rest of us are total slobs. I am not incredibly organized, but I am more organized than Emma. She also said, you're hip with the kids. Let me tell you one of my best pieces of advice for parents. Kind of parenting 101. Parents, convince your children that every friend group only has one set of really cool parents and you are those parents. Congratulations, kids. You have the cool parents. It's a great thing because that means you're hip with the kids. Then she also said some sweet things. You are my best friend. You make me want to never give up. You're just amazing. And I was supposed to read those little scraps of paper each day but once I read the first one, I just settled in to read them all. And one by one, I read all of those reasons why my daughter loved me. And I laughed and I cried because those words have power. And most of the time, I don't feel like I'm amazing. I have lots of times where I'm the one who wants to give up. So I don't know how in the world I can keep someone else from giving up. But my daughter was speaking powerful words over me that I was not even able to speak over myself. 
But it isn't just any word that has power. It is the words of the Lord that have true, lasting, life-changing power. And God goes on to instruct Ezekiel to speak to the dry bones. And he says, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to breathe into you and make you live again. And then let's pick up back in Ezekiel's response. And he says, so I what? So I spoke these words just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as they had been before. It wasn't until Ezekiel spoke the exact words God had told him to speak that those bones started coming back together because there is power in the words of God. His word wasn't just for the prophets of 2,000 years ago, but they are for us today too. Our Bibles are filled with life-giving, powerful words. Words like Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Romans 8, 38 and 39 say, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. One of my favorite verses, Isaiah 40, starting in verse 30 says, even youths grow tired and weary. And I don't know about you, but right now I am feeling tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And one of my life verses, this is one of my life verses for parenting, for marriage, for leadership, for ministry, for life, is Galatians 6, 9. And it says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. We don't give up. When we speak God's word over our life, over our situation, there is so much power. And that is when we will hear the rattling noise start to echo across the valley. The broken bones of our lives being knit back together. Our broken relationships being renewed. Our dwindling joy growing again. Our dying hope being restored to life. And it isn't just the word of God. It is also the spirit of God moving and working to bring new life. When we look back at Ezekiel 37, God is not done yet. He declares that he will send his breath from the four winds, that his spirit will breathe new life into the bodies. And we pick it up in verse 10 and it says, So I spoke as he commanded me. And the wind entered the bodies and they began to breathe. They all came to what? To life and stood up on their feet, a great army of them. Life. 
dead bones coming to life again was impossible. A solution to this situation seemed improbable. New life where there was no hope was inconceivable. The problem seemed insurmountable, but impossible cannot stop God. Improbable can't stop God. Inconceivable can't stop God and insurmountable can't stop God. Back in October, I was getting ready to speak at a leaders conference that I have here at Central every year. And that morning I was so sick, like laying on the floor, not able to get up, kind of sick. And I had just slept for about an hour or two the night before and with just minutes left before I was supposed to speak, I was huddled in the corner just trying to collect myself. I had spent nine months trying to pull together every tiny detail of that conference, and I was not sure how in the world we were going to pull it off now. I heard a knock on the door, and I weakly said, come in, as I welcomed the first of my two visitors. First, my mom walked in. She looked at me, and she said, baby girl, and that was it. I burst into tears, and she sunk down on her knees in front of me, she started patting my arm like only a mom can do. And she said, I'm going to pray for you right now. And then my sweet, tiny, Texas-accented mom went into full-blown, calling Jesus down on me mode. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then the door burst open with my second visitor, my husband, also my pastor. And there are a lot of things that you can say to your wife when she is so sick that she has asked for a trash can to be hidden under the podium while she is speaking. Maybe some kind of like hidden gem Bible verse or maybe some kind of powerful spiritual encouragement. But my husband took me gently by the shoulders. He looked sweetly into my eyes and he said, hey, you gotta suck it up. You can do this, fake it for an hour, and then you can be sick. But right now, suck it up and do what God's called you to do. And they were both right. Sometimes you just need to suck it up. The Bible says his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So even though we're weak, we can step confidently into the strength and his strength and do what he has called us to do. And then sometimes the most powerful word we can declare over our situation is Jesus Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus over our weakness, Jesus over our families, Jesus over our health, Jesus over our stress, Jesus over our marriages, Jesus over our cities, Jesus over our anxieties, Jesus over our finances, Jesus over our children, Jesus over our hurt, Jesus over our addiction, Jesus over our depression, Jesus over our lives, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, know the power we have in the name of Jesus. The third thing we've got to know if we want to be restored to life is you've got to know your purpose. You've got to know your purpose. This whole vision wasn't given to Ezekiel so he could watch God do some pretty cool stuff. It was to communicate a very specific purpose. God told Ezekiel that the bones represented the people of Israel who had become old and dry bones and they were screaming out, all hope is gone. But God had a message for his people in the midst of their despair. He would release them from exile and cause them to instead be restored to life. And here's what the scripture says, starting in verse 14. 
I will put my spirit in you and you will live and return what? That you'll return home to your own land. And then you will know that I am the Lord. You will see that I have done everything just as I promised. I, the Lord, have spoken. His purpose was to return his people home. This spring break, our Emma was out on a choir tour with her singing group from her university. They had been looking forward to it all year long, picking roommates, choosing activities to do, and practicing, 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 practicing. But as the trip started to draw near, the news became more and more flooded with talk of the coronavirus. And being the overly concerned, slightly prepperish person that I am, I began keeping track of that virus way back in December. I ordered hand sanitizer and Clorox wipes in early on in January. And by February, I decided I better order Emma some travel size hand sanitizer and some wipes that she could take on the plane with her just in case. And I also ordered enough for her to give her roommates and her friends because I did not want her to catch something from some less sanitary college student. So by the time they took off on Saturday, March 7th, I had given Emma two dozen well-spoken lectures on the importance of wiping down the seat, the buckle, the tray table on the plane. And I gave her detailed instructions about washing her hands for 20 seconds while singing the happy birthday song through twice in her head each and every time. And off she went. And then the world fell apart. The next day, Italy declared a countrywide shutdown. On Monday, March 9th, the DOD began taking passengers off the Diamond Princess cruise ship and quarantining them at military bases. On Tuesday, March 10th, Emma's college sent us an email that they'd be moving to online classes. Wednesday, March 11th, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a pandemic and the U.S. put travel restrictions on Europe. The news was filled with videos of packed airports and stranded travelers trying to get back home to the United States. On Friday, March 13th, the president declared the outbreak a national emergency and Judd walked in and he said, get her home, whatever you have to do, get her home. So I hopped on an airline website and I found her a seat on a flight that would arrive back in Las Vegas at midnight. And I called to tell her that we needed her to pack her bag and head to the airport in case security lines were super backed up. And Emma didn't have any of her school books. She only had the clothes that fit in her carry-on suitcase that she needed on that trip. Everything else, everything that child owned was locked away in her dorm room, a stayed away, and still is. It certainly wasn't the perfect scenario by any stretch of the imagination, but we wanted her home and we needed her home. And God wants you home too. You may not have it all figured out, you may not feel like you have what you need. You may feel overwhelmed and overwrought or simply just not okay. But it is okay to not be okay. God just wants you home. With whatever you've stored away in your baggage that you're dragging around in your carry-on with you, He wants you home. Like a parent separated from their child, He needs you home with Him. And right now, we just wanna give you the opportunity to come home to him today. You don't have to have it all figured out. You may feel like you're surrounded by nothing but dry bones, but God wants to restore you to new life by bringing you home. If you want to come home to God, it's just a 
simple step of reaching out to him. So would you all bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you're ready to take that step, ready to come home to God, ready to be restored to life, then simply repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life and help me face the challenges I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. And if that's you and you prayed that prayer, I just want you to raise your hand wherever you are on your couch, in your kitchen, with your computer, on the television. Just raise your hand and reach out to God right now and tell him that you're ready to come home. God, right now, I just pray for all of us, Lord. Um, when we're looking around our lives and we just feel like all we see is dry bones, God, I pray that you will help us be restored to new life. Help us to know our position, that we can trust that you are in control, that we can trust that you know the answers to that. Help us to know your power, the power of the word that you've given us and the power of your spirit and the power of your son, Jesus Christ. And help us to know our purpose. Our purpose, God, is just to come home to you. Help us to have the courage to embrace that today. We love you so much. Amen.